Father, we do thank you, continuing to thank you for your goodness, your glorious grace. Lord, the only way we could be saved is because our Savior came from heaven, became a man, lived an absolutely perfect life, the Word become flesh, gave your life as a ransom for many. Lord, we thank you for your sacrificial love, grace poured out for us on the cross when Jesus endured the wrath of God against our sin. Lord, we worship you that we don't praise the Savior that rose spiritually or something like that, but you physically rose again from the grave. That you are alive. And that in you we find hope of life eternal. We find hope of forgiveness and grace and transformation and power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And Lord, we thank you that that is indeed what our hope is. Is Christ in us. And so Lord, I pray that even though through all the craziness of this last week and all of our lives, individually and corporately and in the world, Lord, we thank you that we can gather together to remind ourselves of our stronghold, of our fortress, our strong tower of grace, which is Christ. Lord, we do lift up our prayer requests to you. Lord, we pray especially today for you medical. This, this Sanctity of Life Sunday. Lord, I pray for your blessings to be upon them, for them to find those volunteers, maybe even many from among this congregation today. Lord, I pray that you would help them to find workers, find volunteers, find people passionate to rescue lives. And Lord, I pray for this nation, that you would forgive us for our sins. And Lord, I pray that this would be the year that we finally experience breakthrough in the defense of life and the casting down of Roe v. Wade. And Lord, that life from beginning to end would be valued from the womb to the grave. Lord, that we would treasure this gift of humanity made in the image of God. And so, Lord, do that work in our day. Help us to stand for life and truth. Speak to us as we open your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a Bible and open it with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26 and verse 17. Matthew 26, verse 17, and we'll read through verse 30. What I want to do today is I want to answer the question, why do we need the Lord's table? Why is it that we need the Lord's table? Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 17 and reading through verse 30. Matthew writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these words. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Go into the city to a certain man, he said, and tell him, the teacher says, my time is near. I am celebrating Passover at your place with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, he was reclining at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, 
Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed, each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. He replied, The one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely not I, Rabbi. You have said it, he told him. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take and eat it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine until from now on until that day when I drink it with you anew in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us as we unpack this passage and as we think about what the Lord's Supper means, preparing our hearts to gather together at your table today. Lord, we thank you for these physical reminders of this spiritual reality. Christ Jesus died and rose again to save sinners. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper together as a congregation and as a church. And I've been really anticipating this, this time that we have together today, this first Lord's Supper of 2022. Now, when I was a, now when I was a child, I and maybe even on into college, I, I oftentimes didn't exactly look forward to this type of service. It wasn't always my favorite service of the year or when we regularly repeated it on our church calendar once a quarter. The reason, one of the reasons why it wasn't my, my favorite is because it always just kind of seemed stuffed into a service. And, and my favorite part of the service was really the worship and the preaching. And I wonder, why do we have to shorten those so in order to have the Lord's Supper as we so often did, and as many churches so often do? And I wondered, what, what is going on here? Why is this so special? But as I've grown as a believer, and as I've grown closer to Christ, and as I've, as I've grown more in love with Jesus and His Word, this, this service, this table, this meal that we gather around together, this Lord's Supper communion has, has grown in significance to me. It is a service that I deeply love and deeply love to partake in. And I want to share with you today why we need the Lord's table. Why should this meal be so special to all of us? Five reasons why we need the Lord's table. The first reason is this. We need to hear Jesus' regular invitation to come. We need to hear Jesus' regular invitation to come. Now, when I was growing up, I was a bit terrified of the Lord's table. 
I grew up in a church where every time we gathered together to take the Lord's table once a quarter or something like that, the pastor would always say, be careful that you do not take the body and blood of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Reading from the book of 1 Corinthians. Is this true? You should not take the body and the blood of the Lord, this, this meal, in an unworthy manner. But what was the problem? The problem was I always felt unworthy. Because, because I knew me. And I knew the last week. And I knew I could spell out to you the times that I had failed the Lord. Either he had said to do something and I knew he'd said to do something and I didn't do it or he said not to do something and I did it or I didn't love him like with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all my strength and love my neighbor as myself. I didn't live up to that and I said, no, you do. I am, I felt unworthy to gather at the table. Not only did I, did I feel that personally, but, but I also looked at my family and my family was kind of messed up growing up. I grew up in a broken home, and I, and I didn't feel like, felt like others were just better. Others had it more together than me. I mean, they, 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 they seemed to have it more the Norman Rockwell way, <laughs> the way it's supposed to be. And not only that, as I've gotten older, I even wonder, I even talked to my mom about it a few times, and she kind of felt the same way. She, she felt like she had just messed up so much, she wondered if she would even be welcomed at this feast, at this table. And I know many of you probably feel the same way, because we, we live in this sanitized, airbrushed, Instagram, Facebook world, where, where everybody puts out their a best version of their lives. And we look at ourselves so oftentimes in comparison with that and we think, I, mine, mine just falls so far short of the ideal, of the reality. And we come to the same way when we often come to the, the Lord's table. And so often like Adam and Eve, we try to cover for our own sin, hiding in shame. But Jesus looks to sons of Adam and daughters of Eve and says, come, come to the table. Come and find grace. Come and find forgiveness. Come and find communion with the king. What does it mean to take the body and blood of the Lord in an unworthy manner? It's, it's coming to the table not realizing you desperately need Jesus. That the only answer, the only solution for messed up people like you and me living on a messed up world is we all need a rescuer outside of ourselves and when we come to the table in a worthy manner it means that we come recognizing throwing ourselves fully dependent upon the grace and mercy of which this table represents it represents the arms wide open of our Christ that says, come one, come all to the table by faith, trusting in the Messiah who died on the cross and rose again from the grave. When we come to this table, we come as needy sinners in need of a reminder of God's welcoming grace, of God's welcoming arms. Listen, those who know their total inability to glorify God in their own strength come to the table to receive the help that they know they desperately need. When you recognize your complete inability to earn or merit or work for grace, then you recognize Jesus has to pay it all. And thankfully, that's the promise of the table is He has paid it all.
He has done it all. Today, don't hear the Savior say, stay back, but hear the Savior say, come. Come just as you are. Come needy. Come believing. Jesus says in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 and 15, it says there, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and his apostles with him. And then he said to the apostles, to the disciples, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now think about who it is that he is saying that to. He is saying that to his disciples. The very next verse in the book of Matthew, verse 31 that we will go over next week, says this, Then Jesus said to them, Tonight all of you will fall away because of me. Jesus knows this. But at the same time, Jesus fervently desires to eat this meal with them because he knows this table represents exactly what they need. And Jesus doesn't hold us far off from the grace that we need. He says, come to the table, come quickly, have fellowship with your Savior. We gather around the Lord's table where Jesus says, take, eat, and drink, because he knows we need to hear this regular invitation to come, come, come to Jesus and receive grace in your hour of need. Second reason why we need the Lord's table is that we need tangible reminders of Jesus' sacrificial love. We need tangible reminders of Jesus' sacrificial love. Now, why not just preaching? Why don't we just gather together for preaching and singing? Why this? Why this memorial? Why this ceremony? Why these symbols and reminders? Why this symbolic meal? You know, one of the things that they have told me in education classes that I've taken over the years is that there are different kinds of learners. There are auditory learners. There are visual learners. There are kinesthetic learners, hands-on learners. There are learners that engage in different ways. There are learners who engage best reading and different kinds of ways in which you learn. When we gather together at the Lord's table in this meal, it engages all of our senses, preaching to us in every single way we can possibly gather information that Jesus is the Savior who died. You need Him. It is a reminder to us, a tangible reminder through taste, touch, smell, hearing, and seeing all of our attention drawn into the saving reality that Christ alone is the answer that we need. He alone is our salvation. The bread is a tangible reminder that Christ was crushed for you. As you take this bread and as you put it in your mouth and as you crush it in your teeth, you are reminding yourself, Christ Jesus was crushed for my sins and my iniquity on that cross. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on Him and by His wounds we are healed. When you drink the cup and you see that swirl of the red juice within the cup, you're reminded with all of your senses that Jesus Christ sacrificed his blood, poured out his blood for the forgiveness of your sins, the only perfect sacrifice. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats or no one's blood, neither our sacrifice but ourselves would be enough to pay for our sins, but only the blood of the sinless Son of 
God poured out on our behalf in our place is sufficient to save us from our sins, from our iniquities. When you receive the bread and the cup, it is a tangible reminder that the only way for you to be saved is for you personally to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. No one else can take this for you. No one else can take the Lord's Supper in your place. You personally have to take in the Lord Jesus Christ, these symbols of the Lord Jesus Christ, into yourself, representing your own faith, your own trust in this gift of grace, which is Jesus, our Redeemer and Savior. I think in today's world where we are so tempted to live more and more virtual lives, it's important for this tangible reminder because we don't follow a philosophical religion. We don't follow a religion of philosophy where somebody just sat in a stone tower somewhere and thought, I think it'd be good to believe this like some religions are. No, we serve a Savior who, who created the universe by the word of His power. And this same Savior entered time and space and became a physical man, as physical as you are, as physical as I am, blood flowing through His veins. And this one who lived an historical, real life died on the cross for your sins. This isn't just some philosophy or some morality tale. This is the very truth of God entered into time and space and will one day, one day return again for His children and set up His kingdom in this world. This is reality. This is truth. This is a tangible reminder in a virtual metaverse world that Jesus is real, that Jesus is reality, engaging all of our senses, saying, focus in here. Distracted world, distracted Christians, distracted people. You need Christ. And you need Him always. And you need Him every day. The reality that we need Him every day brings us to the third answer to the question. Why do you need the Lord's Supper? Answer number three is this. We need real spiritual food. We need fed. We need food. And this is a reminder that you need spiritual food. You know, we feed our bodies three square meals a day. Or if you're a hobbit, you have first breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, and, you know, on and on. <laughs> first or supper, dinner, you know, all that good afternoon tea. <laughs> I'm more like a hobbit, right? <laughs> I love to snack too much. But you know, so oftentimes we feed our bodies three square meals a day and we feed our souls a couple of cold snacks a month. Maybe we throw a little Jesus at our souls when we're feeling a little dry, but reality is you need Jesus every day. You need Jesus to be fed, to be feeding on Christ, to be feasting on Christ every single day day and this meal is a reminder that you need spiritual food real spiritual food real spiritual drink and Jesus is that reality and he opens up a buffet of a feast of his blessings in his word through prayer through fellowship with him every single day of your life 
And so oftentimes we don't come to that table, that banquet that he sets before us. This is a reminder. You need to be fed spiritually. You need to feed yourself spiritually. Come to the table of the blessings of knowing Jesus every day. You need to be fed spiritual food. John 6, 53, Jesus says to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. Now, Jesus here in this passage isn't talking literally like some misunderstood him that way. Some teach, like the Catholic Church teaches, the doctrine of transubstantiation, that the the, the elements actually become the body and blood of the Lord. We don't believe that. We don't think that's what Jesus was saying here. These are symbols that point to a deeper meaning, a deeper reality. But at the same time, there is a reality in which we need to feed on feast on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to fellowship and have, have a regular meal with him. And you don't just have it here. This points to a deeper fellowship that you can have with the Savior every single day. This table is one means, I think, that God uses to nourish and preserve us in the faith. The world offers us all kinds of candy and empty calories spiritually. This is a reminder that you need real spiritual food. You need real spiritual nourishment. And that can only be found in Christ. The fourth reason that you need the Lord's Supper is that we all need, we all need real spiritual fellowship. We need real spiritual fellowship. When we gather around the table, we don't gather alone. You don't take the Lord's Supper by yourself. We take the Lord's Supper when we are gathered together as the body of Christ. Two or more of us are gathered together as the body to remember Christ, to remember His sacrifice. Some traditions call this meal communion. I grew up calling it communion. Sometimes we call it Lord's Supper. Sometimes we call it Lord's Table. Sometimes we call it communion. Now, what do we mean by that word communion? When I'm going to commune with someone, it means that I'm going to have deep fellowship with them. Deep fellowship, deep relationship with them. And when we gather around at the Lord's table, we as this meal, as the body of Christ, are reminding ourselves that we need deep communion with each other. We need deep communion with other believers and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this communion is not isolated from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not as if we are gathered together at some restaurant and some random people coming together just happen to be in the same place at the same time, eating the same, even the same restaurant, served out of the same kitchen. No, 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 no. Here is, the, as the body of Christ, we are the people of God, redeemed from the world by the shed blood of Jesus, who desperately need to know we're not alone. That you're not alone in this battle. You're not alone in this fight. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you, to lift you up, to be praying for you, to rejoice when you rejoice, to weep when you weep, to cry when you cry, to walk through those trials of life together. You need one another. You need those deep fellowship relationships in the body that's connected together because of what Christ and is in Christ and as Christ saturating your conversations in your relationships so that you can encourage one another in the Lord as long as it's called today. 
You need that kind of fellowship. You need that kind of relationship. It's really pictured, if you were to see this meal as the Lord sits down with his disciples, you would see in the way they often served it in the first century, is they served it out of a common cup. There was only one cup. And they would pass the cup around and everybody would drink out of that one cup. Now all of us are, in a way, glad we changed the tradition, right? (laughs) At least for hygiene's sake. In some ways I'm like, I wish we could do that today. We do that differently because of hygiene, but the symbolism is there if we think back to what this points to, and that is our common, our commonality in Christ. One cup. There is one, there was one loaf of bread symbolizing there is one body of Christ. We are all united together in Him. Unity of the body, unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. We are one in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 says it like this There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And it is in Him that we, as the body of Christ, have fellowship. This is a reminder that you need each other. One of the tragedies of the last couple of years is there are some who are increasingly convinced that true Christianity can be engaged in by just choosing whatever sermon you want to hear on Sunday morning, by choosing whichever worship songs you want to listen to on Sunday morning, and you never have to engage with a congregation of other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, you cannot read the New Testament and come to that conclusion. You cannot read the New Testament and think that that is how you fulfill the one another's of the gospel. The only way you can fulfill the one another is to love one another and encourage one another daily, weep with one another, rejoice with one another, pray for one another, fellowship together, eat with one another, show hospitality to one another. The only way you can do that is with real, live, living, breathing people. You need each other. You need fellowship of the saints. You need one another. This meal is a reminder that we need real spiritual fellowship. We do it as a body. But not only are we fellowshipping with each other, but when we gather together around the Lord's table, we are not just fellowshipping with one another, but we fellowship with the king. This is the king's table. This is the Lord's table. When we gather at this table, we especially are fellowshipping with King Jesus. Now we as Baptists need the reminder of this. Because so oftentimes we have almost the complete opposite view of the Catholic understanding of transubstantiation. So much so that we say the Lord is is not here. (laughs) He's not in these elements. We know he's not in the elements, as if the body and the blood of the Lord were here in these elements. But so oftentimes, rather than the real spiritual presence of the Lord, we oftentimes as Baptists seem like we believe in the real spiritual absence of the Lord. But the Reformers talked about this. 
They talked about when you gather together at the Lord's table, the Lord, yes, he's present everywhere. Yes, we know about the omnipresence of the Lord. But when you gather together at the Lord's table, the Lord is especially present in those moments. He's especially present to bless. He's especially present to fellowship with you. He's especially present to commune with you. He's especially present to remind you of your need of Him. He's especially present to remind you that He's got this thing. He's caught this thing. That the world is not in some kind of cosmic accident flying out of control. But He is the sovereign Savior. He's in control of the world. He's got this thing. And He will lead you through whatever trial, whatever suffering, whatever pain, whatever situation. Yes, Jesus is the one who that time you messed up last week, he forgives you by his grace and mercy because of his shed blood on the cross and he will be with you when you face that trial in the future. That is the fellowship that you're reminding yourself of with the real spiritual presence of Jesus that is with us here today. You ought to be thrilled at coming to the table today because we get to commune with Jesus. Oh, this ought not to be a service that we wish, oh, it's just one thing i got to check off on the calendar. I wish we had just had preaching today. Oh, no, this ought to be the highlight of our calendar as a church where we get to fellowship with one of the things that Jesus had to do. Come together and remember. Come together and fellowship. Come together and have this relationship with me. That is what we do when we gather at the table of our King. Oh, and it ought to thrill our souls. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says it this way. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is why we need the table, as a reminder of this deep spiritual fellowship that we have with our Christ. Finally, number five is this. Why do you need the Lord's table? We need a future different from the past and present. So feel the anticipation of Christ's return. You need a future different from the past and present. Amen? I don't know about you, but this last couple of years feels like I'm living in the movie Groundhog Day. (laughs) Anybody seen that movie? (laughs) Great movie, one of my favorites, romantic comedy. The premise of the movie is that he has to, he gets stuck on the same day on the calendar. Like every day he wakes up and is like, here we go again, this groundhog. Oh, here we go again, the same day. Oh, here we go again. It feels like that. <laughs> 2020, really, and since 20, around three, almost three years, this third calendar year. Oh, Lord help us. But <laughs> three years now, or two years calendar wise, we have been in a season where it seems like it's a repeat of the same thing over and over and over again. And we get the same news over and over and over again. And sometimes life can seem like, somebody said, life is an endless going up, going to work, washing dishes, and going to bed. (laughs) Is there ever anything different? The table is a reminder that we're going to get off this loop someday. And we're going to get off this loop someday. Jesus is coming again. This table is a reminder that there is a future, that there is a hope, that one day the trumpet of God shall sound 
and the dead in Christ shall rise first. At the voice of the, of the archangel, at the sound of the trumpet call of God, dead in Christ rise first. All who are left will meet him in the air. And the promise is, so we will always be with the Lord. And one of the first realities that we will do when we get to be with the Lord is we will gather around a feast a banqueting table of the king where we will have a victory meal celebrating the ascendancy of the king of the universe to rule and reign in actuality over everything visibly and physically in his kingdom in this world. That's coming. And it's every bit a physical reality as this cup and this bread that you will hold in your hands here in a few moments. It is every bit as real as that. It is coming. And this is a reminder. This isn't a funereal meal where we just look back at a death, but we look back at a resurrection and we look forward to the coming celebration of the king. That is why we celebrate and why we need this table. This meal is life. This meal is joy. This meal is a fellowship with King Jesus. Let's gather around the table as we, as the family of God, redeemed of God, celebrate what Jesus and remember what Jesus has done to save our souls from death. Let's spend a moment in just thinking about these things. And then I'll pray, and then we'll sing together. We'll have a time of response. Then we'll move into our time of Lord's Supper together. Let's think about these things for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper together, we realize we don't have to make ourselves worthy because we could try that for a million years and never get close. Lord, the only way we are made worthy is because of your work in our lives. And through faith in Christ alone, your work alone, it's the only way we're saved. And so, Lord, we come before your table with humility, recognizing that you summon us to your table because you paid it all. You paid the entrance fee. You provide the meal. You provide everything. And, Lord, we come just by faith and receive Jesus. And, Lord, that is our heart's desire is we want to fellowship with you. We want to have a deeper communion, a deeper relationship with you. Lord, we want to be reminded that we need you every hour. That we need to feed and to feast on Christ every day. And so, Lord, as we remind ourselves of the death of our Savior, we remind ourselves that you are the risen King and you are the soon-coming King as well. Lord, work during this time of response. Help us to prepare our hearts. Lord, I pray for someone who does not know you as Savior, and Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, you would work during this time. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.